your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 612 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And that song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And the Rangers coming off of a really tough 3-2 Game 3 loss on the road to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay now creeps back into the series. They now trail two games to one rather than uh, three games to nothing, which was something that was certainly on the table the way this game was going, uh, you know, as late as probably about midway through the second period there. The Rangers had converted on a pair of power play opportunities, and that power play just continues to stay white hot for the New York Rangers, and it looks like they might be on their way to a win and a 3 nothing series lead against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. Alas, Tampa was able to rally. They scored the game-winning goal with just 41 seconds remaining, and they win 3-2, to two. and like I said, now... Uh, the Rangers series lead is trimmed down to two games to one. There are a couple of things about this game that kind of stick in your craw a little bit. For the most part, though, I don't think the Rangers played a terrible game or anything like that. I mean, I know that, you know, you go on social media and certain fans are very, very upset. And, oh, man, you know, we had this. We gave it away. This, that, and the other thing. Look, I think you got to give some credit where it's due. Tampa Bay, they have not lucked their way into the last two Stanley Cups. They've obviously got tremendous talent, but to win a Stanley Cup, you guys know I'm preaching to the choir here, takes a tremendous amount of grit and resilience as well. And I think we saw that from Tampa Bay here, much like we saw it from the Rangers when their backs have been against the wall uh, earlier in this playoff run here. You know, down three games to one to Pittsburgh, coming back, and you guys know the story by now, coming back from two goals down in game five, coming back from two goals down in game six, uh, winning game seven despite trailing late in that one and winning in overtime. And then, of course, you know, being down 2-0 to the Canes, being down 3-2 to the Canes, finding a way to get the job done, rally, and win that series as well. And now, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning do the same thing to the Rangers. They were the team that really, really needed to win this one. And despite that, you know, the Rangers came within an eyelash of claiming a 3-0 series lead. It would have been awesome if they were able to pull it off. But you know what? We're Ranger fans. We're not used to anything coming easy for us or for this team. And I think that if you know, I told you guys before the season that the Rangers, first of all, would be in the Eastern Conference Final. I think everybody's setting up for that pretty much right away. But if I took it a step further and told you guys that the Rangers are going to be in the Eastern Conference Final, they're going to be up two games to one against the Tampa Bay Lightning, every single Ranger fan on this planet would have signed up for that in about two seconds flat. And that's the situation that we're in right now. And to me, as I talked about in the Locked On Now video that I put up uh, a few hours ago, this, to me is now a tremendous opportunity for this New York Ranger team. It's another chance for them to show their mettle and test their resilience and bounce back with a big win in Game 4. And that's been this team's calling card all season. We've been over this and over this on this podcast. One thing that the Rangers have done such a great job of the entire season, and this is impressive no matter who you are. I think it's even more so impressive when you have such a young team like the New York Rangers do. But the biggest strength, or at least one of the very biggest strengths for the Rangers this year, is that... When they, get down, when they get knocked down, they do not stay down. They get back up, and they tend to be at their absolute best in 
the game that immediately follows a difficult loss. We've seen that in the regular season, we've seen that in the postseason, and we want to see it at least one more time in Game 4 on Tuesday night against Tampa Bay. Going to be a pivotal game in the series. The Rangers, look, they still, despite a disappointing result here today and despite letting a 2 to nothing lead get away, uh, you know, the Rangers still have a chance to take a fairly strong grip on this series, get up three games to one with a Game 4 victory. And you know what? This game's in the books. It's over and done with. Tampa rallied when they absolutely needed to rally. Think you got to tip your cap at least a little bit, but the Rangers are still in the driver's seat here. And again, like I said, a tremendous opportunity for this team to really show what they're made out of and uh, hopefully claim a Game 4 win on the road. Uh, a couple of you know negative things from this game, and then we'll get into the positives because you know, not by a long shot was everything that happened uh, negative for the Rangers in this game. They did some good things. Like I said, uh, the power play continues to be a strength of this team. And, you know, the Rangers, a lot of their star players continuing to get the job done in some big spots. And Igor Shosturkin continuing to be Igor Shosturkin. I thought he had a pretty strong afternoon. You know, the first goal that he gave up to Kucherov, I would say maybe he might want that one back. Kucherov five-hold him. By that same token, it is Kucherov. They were on the power play, and, you know, they converted on their chance there. So, again, got to give a little bit of credit where it's due. But, you know, I, I suppose... In general, if we're looking at, you know, things from this game that weren't so good, first of all, you just got to look at the shot total. And again, the shot total is not the end-all be-all. The Rangers have proved time and time again in the regular season as well as the playoffs that you can lose these shots on goal battle and still win the game. A lot of times it can be quality over quantity. And again, the shots on goal, it's a nice stat. It's not the end-all be-all. But when you get out shot 51 to 30, that tends to stand out a little bit. And obviously, you know, Igor Shosturkin had his work cut out for him in this game, stopping shot after shot after shot. Eventually, the dam broke a little bit. And uh, Tampa, like I said, they rallied and ultimately won this game. I look for the Rangers to hopefully tighten things up a little bit in game four because they're just too good of a defensive team to allow 51 shots on goal in back-to-back -back games. So uh, hopefully, like I said, they just tighten things up a little bit. Don't ask Igor Shosturkin to do everything by himself. Don't rely on Igor Shosturkin to go into God mode, which he's plenty capable of doing. I mean, regardless of how many shots Tampa Bay puts on net, Igor Shosturkin, whether it's, you know, 50 shots on goal, 55 shots on goal, 60 shots on goal, whatever it might be, Igor Shosturkin can always steal you a game. But by that same token, Tampa just has too many weapons. If Tampa Bay puts 51 shots on net, it's a very, very good chance that they're going to win the game, especially if they're holding you to just 31 shots on net. And so, that's obvious. You know, the Rangers have to do a better job there. I think in general, you know, something that's going to stick in a lot of Ranger fans craw after this game, the very simple fact that once again, they were up two to nothing as late as midway through the second period. So that's a game that, you know, you really want to put to bed. You want to, you know, hopefully look for that knockout blow, maybe make it three to nothing. The Next goal in a game that's two to nothing is always so big, and unfortunately, it went to Tampa Bay just about a minute after Chris Kreider had made the score two nothing. Tampa Bay gets a penalty. They strike back. They cut the lead to two to one. That was the score going into the third period. And then, of course, Tampa uh, rallies. They get a goal very early in the third, very late in the third, and just like that, they win the game and they're back into the series. Something else that you might not like about this game, if you're a Ranger fan, is the very simple fact that the Stars were kind of out for Tampa Bay. You know, for the most part, the Rangers have done a really nice job against some of the best players on the Tampa Bay Lightning through the first uh, two, I was going to say two games of the series, but really two and a half games of the series. The Rangers have done a really good job on some of the Lightning's best players, but when the dust settled in this one and all the smoke cleared and all that good stuff, uh, yet Kucherov with a three-point night here. Stamkos with a two-point night, two-point game for Victor Hedman as well. And Vasilevsky finally looked like Vasilevsky. He stopped 28 of 30 shots. So 
you hope that that's not kind of like a launching point for some of these, uh, you know, star players on the Tampa Bay Lightning. You hope, once again, the Rangers can just tighten things up a little bit in the uh, next game, game four, and you still have a chance to take a three games to one series lead. Uh, something else that's obviously very unfortunate about this is that Ryan Strom got hurt in this game. He came back for one shift, tried to gut it out, uh, shook his head to the trainers once he got back to the bench. I guess he just couldn't do it. Sounds like he had a lower body injury, and he was eventually ruled out from returning to this game. Barclay Goodrow also got injured. Uh, he went down to block a shot because, of course, he did. That's just what Barclay Goodrow does. But unfortunately, slap shot right off of his left foot, and he had to hobble to the bench. I mean, he could barely—this is why the Rangers were shorthanded, by the way. It was a five-on-four for Tampa Bay. But, you know, Goudreau's doubled over. He's laying down on the ice, so it's basically a five-on-three. And then Goudreau finally is able to get back up and basically just kind of drags himself off the ice, gets to the bench, and Tyler Mott jumped on to get back into the play and make it five on four. But it was interesting watching this because under no normal circumstances, if you're a penalty killer, would you ever leave the ice here? Because the puck is in your zone, and obviously if you go to the bench, you're compromising your team. But there was no choice here. Barkley Goudreau could barely even put any weight on his foot when this happened. And so he had to get off the ice and get somebody on there that could actually help with the penalty kill. And and the Rangers were able to kill off that particular power play. So nice job by Goudreau, you know, gutting it out, getting off the bench and giving his team a chance there. And he returned later in the game. He was playing down the stretch as well. But we'll obviously keep our fingers crossed uh, that Ryan Strom and Barkley Goodrow are both good to go in game four. And... If they're not, you know, we're actually going to save a little bit of time for later in the episode, talk about what some of the Rangers' options might be if Strom and or Goodrow cannot go in game four. I feel like Strom's probably more likely to sit than Goodrow simply because Goodrow returned to this game and Strom did not. But we'll have a little bit of a contingency plan for the New York Rangers uh, by the end of this episode, that is for sure. And then, of course, one of the biggest reasons why I think, you know, Ranger fans are going to be upset about this is the fact that, once again, Tampa Bay scored the game-winning goal with just 41 seconds left. You know, after the game, it was interesting because uh, Mika and Kreider were both uh, being interviewed. They were both at the podium. And this is something that I like about this uh, New York Ranger team, something that I love about this team. It's just such a selfless bunch. These guys always have each other's back. And this is a tweet that was sent out by Vince Mercogliano, friend of the podcast. Uh, this is what he had to say about what happened in the postgame presser with Mika and Kreider. Mika was being asked about the winning goal from Palat, but Kreider tapped him on the arm to indicate he wanted to take the question and responsibility. And then Kreider said, I've got to get the puck out. I'm puck watching. So just a really nice moment there, just obviously knowing that these Rangers, th this is why this team is so likable. You know, they've all got each other's backs, and, you know, Kreider wasn't going to let Mika Zibanejad take the blame on this one. He wanted to stand up and take the blame himself, and that's what leaders do. As far as, you know, the game-winning goal, to me, I didn't really see anybody to blame on this play. I'm not going to blame Igor Shesterkin with the postseason that he's had, and this was a perfect snipe by Palat. would have been a very, very difficult save to make. As far as Mika, I mean, yeah, Palat ended up being open on this play, but did you see the two passes that Tampa Bay made on this play? I mean, they were basically just absolutely perfect. You had uh, Hedman passing from the blue line to Kucherov. Kucherov's kind of in the slot area, and then Kucherov immediately sends a backhand pass to Andrej Palat, and Palat buries it. To me, this was more Tampa Bay just uh, scoring a great goal than it was the Rangers doing anything drastically wrong. I don't think anyone was like woefully out of position or just, you know, not ready to make a defensive play or anything like that. I think Tampa just made a play here, and you know, they're back in the series. It is what it is. But once again, I think uh, if you're a Ranger fan, there's a lot of reasons to feel good after this game. We're getting to some of those in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Don't you love a chewy, chocolatey brownie? What about a caramel brownie with caramel swirl on top? So good. 
What if I told you that you can have all that chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? You're in luck because Caramel Brownie Bars are available at Built.com right now, and you've got to act fast because they're definitely a fan favorite. And the best part, Caramel Brownie Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. With Built, you don't have to sacrifice taste for health. You can have both. There are a million reasons that you should try Built Bars, but for now, let's just say that Caramel Brownie will rock your world. That is not an understatement. With Built, tasty is the new healthy. Go to Built.com to get your box of Caramel Brownie Bars right now. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Lockdown podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Lockdown podcasts. So go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey. Thanks for your help. All right, so some positives from this game for the Rangers. There's one we're going to start with here that's kind of a positive and a negative all in one, and just let me explain that. I think for starters, you got a single at the Ranger power play unit, mostly as a positive in this game. They had a rare 0 for in game two. They went 0 for 4 on the power play in game two against the Lightning. They obviously won the game despite that, and, you know, it wasn't really a concerning 0 for 4. It's not like they were stagnating or, you know, they couldn't gain entry or they couldn't set up any scoring opportunities. I thought of the four power plays that the Rangers got in game two, I thought they looked pretty good on at least three of them. I, I thought the second one was maybe a little shaky. Besides that, I thought the Rangers did a good job, just one of those nights where the puck doesn't go in the night. But again, the Rangers won game two in spite of that. In this game, the Rangers end up scoring twice on the power play. You've got one for Chris Kreider and one for Mika Zibanejad. And overall, in this game, the Rangers went two for five on the man advantage. So you'll take that uh, pretty much any night. And I think what was so impressive about the Rangers on the power play in this game, we saw firsthand with these two power play goals exactly why this team is so lethal. I mean, to begin with, you can run out a top power play unit of Panarin, Mika, Kreider, Fox, and Strom. You run out those five players, you have an inherently dangerous power play unit. But besides that... We've seen Tampa ever since game one when Mika was just ripping one-timers left and right on the power play and scoring one of them. Tampa has begun to try to key on that. They're trying to take away Mika on the left side. You know, he sets up shop over there and he's just waiting for a pass, usually either from Panarin or from Fox, and he's looking to just rip it at the net. I mean, that's that's basically the strategy there for the Rangers. And Tampa's doing everything they can. They're trying to close down that passing lane when the Rangers are on the power play and the Rangers are still making it happen. Uh, you had the Rangers' first goal was indeed scored by Mika Zibanejad, and it indeed happened as a result of, you know, a one-timer attempt. You had uh, Panarin passing to Fox, Fox dishing across the ice to Mika Zibanejad, Mika just winding back and cranking uh, just an absolute snipe into the net. 
Once again, high blocker side against Vasilevsky, so maybe the Rangers have really found something there, and the Rangers go up one to nothing. And then, uh, just about two minutes later, a little bit more than two minutes later in this game, Rangers are back on the power play. Second time that the Lightning are called for doing something to Igor Shesterkin. Uh, the first time, it was technically a slash on Corey Perry, and then the second time, uh, it was interference on Nash. Nash basically just lost control, fell into him, and uh, the penalty was called. But on this power play, again, Rangers already up one nothing at this point. You've got Panarin to Mika Zibanejad, setting up for that one-timer again. I mean, they're looking to make this happen on every single power play, and why not? It's worked great all season. So Panarin dishes to his left to Mika Zibanejad. Zibanejad winds back, cranks another one-timer. This time, Andre Vasilevsky makes the save, but again, this is why this Ranger power play unit is so dangerous. There's just so many weapons and so many different ways that they can score. Okay, so this time, the Mika Zibanejad one-timer does not work, at least, you know, not in a way that Mika scored a goal, but by blasting the puck at the net, Vasilevsky can't come up with it clean. It's there in the crease, and Chris Kreider, Johnny on the spot, as he's been pretty much all season for the Rangers in situations like this, just scoring so many goals, period. I mean, 52 goals, nothing to sneeze at, but so many goals on the power play as well, and so many goals of this variety where he's right there in the crease. They can't move him out of there. He pretty much sets up shop, does whatever he wants, and so many goals where he either deflects it home or there's a situation like this where the rebound is loose, and he cleans up the loose change, and that's what he did here, and just like that, the Rangers up 2-0. Looked like they were on their way. Obviously, it was not meant to be, but very, very encouraging to see this Ranger power play unit, for the most part, continue to excel. One area, or one instance in the game, rather, where this power play unit did not excel is in the third period. By this point, Tampa Bay had tied the score at two goals apiece. You're getting to a little bit less than 10 minutes remaining, and Mika Zibanejad makes an excellent play in the Rangers' zone. He steals the puck. He's about to be off to the races. Might have been in on a clean breakaway but he is stopped by Nikita Kucherov, who high sticks him, and it ends up being a two-minute double minor against Kucherov. So the Rangers, you know, if you're a fan in this spot, you're realizing, obviously, third period of this game has not been the Rangers at their best. In fact, I think if you look at the first three games of this series, it's really the only period they've played where they were not at least good. You know, I think the other eight periods, the Rangers have been anywhere from good to excellent. Not so much in this third period here, but be that as it may, the Rangers tied in this game, less than 10 minutes left, and you're about to enjoy a four-minute power play. And on top of that, you've already scored twice on the man advantage earlier in this game. So you're really kind of liking your chances if you're a Ranger fan of putting one in the net here. And it basically turned out to be a disaster because Jacob Truba, who really had a rough game, one of uh, probably the worst games that he's had in the entire postseason here, he ends up taking three penalties, including this one. You know, there was a pass back to him at the point. Didn't seem like, uh, you know, a puck that should give him a lot of trouble. But just like that, Tampa Bay is going the opposite way. And they've got an odd man rush while shorthanded. And Truba's trying to chase him down. It was Alex Kalorn, by the way, who came away at the puck here. But Truba eventually chases him down, ends up pulling him down to the ice, trips him up, takes a penalty. So just like that, you, know, you think you've got a four-minute power play here for the Rangers. And instead... Truba takes a penalty, and so that means they're going to skate four aside for the next two minutes, and then just 27 seconds will remain on the original double minor to the Lightning, and the Rangers will have 27 seconds more of power play time. But that's obviously not a ton of time to make things happen and set up shop, and just like that, you know, the power play was wasted. So really, really unfortunate there. You know, you were really thinking as a Ranger fan, especially the way they've been playing recently and the way they've been winning these games, uh, often in dramatic fashion in the playoffs, you're thinking like, oh, man, here we go. You know, we're, we're set up to win this game here. We're going to make it happen. Just 
really a, a terrible power play. There's really not much else to say there. I think of everything that happened in this game, the thing that bothers me the most is that the Rangers, once again, just completely wasted this four-minute power play here. But we're going to continue talking about the highlights and lowlights. Also, take a look ahead to game four, and we will do that in just a second. All right, we got to uh, discuss everything that happened with Ryan Strome and Barclay Goodrow and uh, you know, just kind of discuss what the Rangers could look to do if they happen to be without the services of either or both of those players. Like I said earlier in the episode, I get the feeling Barclay Goodrow is going to be back out there. I mean, I guess you never know for sure, but uh, the way he already beat his injury timetable earlier this season, the fact that he returned to this game more so than anything, I think uh, the smart money is probably on Goodrow being out there. But if Ryan Strome is out of the lineup, I would like the Rangers to do what they did in this game. I realize, you know, if there's an opening on the second line, which obviously there would be if Strom can't go in game four, I think, uh, you know, there's a temptation there, probably among Ranger fans, maybe even among the Ranger coaching staff to take one of the kids and put them onto the second line. Obviously, these players have, have done very well for the Rangers. Filipino, complete breakout in the postseason. Capo Caco, you know, doesn't have as many points as the other two, but doing some of the dirty work, uh, somebody that's very, very difficult to knock off the puck and just kind of drives the play for the Rangers in the offensive zone. And Alexi Lafreniere, you know, kind of uh, developing a little bit of an edge to his game. Somebody that is producing points in the postseason here and also seemingly getting under the skin of some of his opponents. So there certainly could be some temptation to move one of those guys up. And it doesn't even matter if it's a center or a winger that would move up because, you know, you've got Andrew Kopp on the second line with Panarin and Kopp can play either center or right wing or left wing for that matter. So, you know, if you wanted to move Hedl up to the top line, you could put Kopp at center and Hedl at right wing or Hedl at center, Kopp on right wing. You've got a lot of options. Basically, anything is on the table there. Lafreniere can play both wings, so you don't have to worry about that as far as uh, position compatibility. But I would actually resist the urge to break up the kid line. That's your third line right now. They've added some uh, big-time depth scoring to this team. There's been certain nights where they've been the Rangers' best line, and you can call them the third line all that you want, but there have been certain nights where that's been the top line for the New York Rangers. They've obviously uh, found some great chemistry, and all three of them are playing the best hockey of their NHL careers. So I really don't want to break them up. And when Strom initially got hurt in this game, the first thing that actually popped into my head, and not something that I would rule out, but it was actually Tyler Mott. After thinking about it for a couple of seconds, though, I think I like the idea of moving Barclay Goodrow up into the second line. He's somebody that, you know, really throughout the entire season has moved pretty seamlessly up and down the lineup. Uh, they even created a little bit of a scoring chance for Barclay Goodrow when that change was first made. He had Panarin back behind the Tampa net, passing out in front to Barclay Goodrow. One-timer uh, from kind of uh, the left face-off circle area, and it was stopped by Vasilevsky. But I'm good with Goodrow, uh, you know, moving up into the second line uh, if the Rangers have to be without Ryan Strom because I just don't want to break up the kid line. So leave them together. Don't go, uh, you know, juggling all of your lines. The Rangers have obviously played well with the line combinations that they have. And so I would try to change as little as possible. And I think, uh, you know, big time thumper like Barkley Goodrow playing on the second line with Artemi Panarin, uh, that could work as well. And Artemi Panarin can make a star out of anybody on any given night. So uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Obviously, fingers crossed that Ryan Strom is back out there. As far as who I think should re-enter the Ranger lineup if they have to go without Ryan Strom, I would say probably Kevin Rooney because, you know, when Barkley Goodrow came back to the lineup, it meant that a Ranger player who deserves to be in the lineup was no longer going to be in the lineup. I mean, that's just math. That's just facts right there. And, you know, most people had it down to either uh, Reeves or Rooney or Kako coming out of the lineup. I was never on board with Kako even really being a candidate. And Rooney was kind of my choice simply because you bring Goodrow back, 
Goudreau and Rooney, they do a lot of the same things fairly well, whereas Reeves can kind of be a physical tone setter. I mean, any of those three players can be physical tone setters, but Reeves is kind of on another level when it comes to intimidation and dealing out some of those bone-jarring hits. So I thought the right decision was made to pull Rooney out of the lineup, even though he didn't do anything to deserve to come out of the lineup. But if there is an opening, then I think uh, Rooney slots back in there. And like I said, you can move Barkley Goudreau from the fourth line up to the second line, and then uh, Rooney takes Goudreau's spot on the fourth line, and you just go from there. Rooney's been a fairly reliable player for the Rangers this season, and I think he'd slot back in there and do a fine job. Now, if there's a situation where the Rangers have to be without both Strom and Goudreau, again, I don't know how likely this is, but if you need two new forwards, then I would say Rooney still goes into the lineup, and I would say maybe Johnny Brodzinski. You know, Gallant seems to like him. He's somebody that uh, knows what he's doing out there. He's not going to create some kind of a back-breaking turnover or anything like that. I would think maybe Julian Gauthier, but by that same token, you know, Gauthier had his chances this season, and, uh, you know, if he's not going to play in the top nine, which I don't think he would, even in a situation like this, he doesn't really play a fourth-liner style of game, and so I wouldn't throw him out there for that either. Uh, so I think, you know, if, if Bostrom and Goudreau are both out, then you're probably looking at Rooney and Brodzinski getting back out there, but like I said, I fully expect uh, Barkley Goudreau to play in the next one, and fingers crossed that Ryan Strom is back out there as well. I know he has his critics, but uh, you don't want to lose somebody from your top six at this point in the postseason. That is for sure. And the Strom injury was so weird. I'm realizing I haven't really described that one yet. You know, he got uh, cross-checked in the back, but it wasn't like vicious or all that hard. And you got to do more than this probably to uh, get a penalty in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So he took, you know, the two stick blows to the back and then he was in pain, but it was like after the cross-checks had happened. So it was kind of a non-contact injury. The timing of it was just very weird because the cross-checks happened, but then it seemed like Strom, I don't know exactly what the deal was, but all of a sudden he was just in a lot of pain and uh, went to the bench and, like I said, came back for the one shift and just uh, could not go any further than that. So we'll just keep our fingers crossed that he's okay. They have a day off here. Hopefully uh, he's able to get back into the lineup for Game 4. And one other play that I'm realizing I have not talked about yet uh, that I have to mention here, is you had a really weird situation where Igor Shesterkin made a save. This is in the second period. He makes a save, the play is dead, and Colton kind of takes a swipe at Igor as he's going by. And then as Lindgren goes up to Colton, Colton cross-checks him in the throat, and then, you know, they call both of them. You know, there's a big skirmish behind the net, and they call both of them for minor penalties, Colton for the cross-check and Lindgren for roughing. Lindgren took a cross-check to the throat. I don't think that one should have been matching minors. Overall, I can't go crazy about the officiating. I realized there were a lot of penalties called in this game. Not too many of them were crazy egregious. I mean, the one hold on Truebell looked a little bit ticky-tack. Maybe there was a ticky-tack penalty against the Lightning as well. I don't think the officiating has been too bad in this series. I thought it was absolutely atrocious in the first series with the Rangers and the Penguins. Uh, it's been a little bit better here. Again, nothing that I can point to and, and go too crazy about. I got to say, you know, it, Stanley Cup playoffs, everything's moving a million miles an hour out there, and these refs definitely have a difficult job. And like I said, nothing that, you know, really gets me too upset after this one. But that play just kind of stood out a little bit because I thought that should have been a penalty on Colton and uh, nothing on Ryan Lindgren. But uh, that's going to pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, I'd like to encourage everybody to uh, subscribe to the Locked on New York Rangers YouTube channel. Every episode that's on the audio platforms will also be on YouTube. But there's some bonus content on YouTube, the Locked on New York Rangers YouTube channel, that you will miss out on if you're not subscribed, including a segment that I did with Mr. Gil Martin. Uh, he's hosting Locked on NHL. That episode will be out tomorrow. I do a guest spot on that show. And, you know, always good talking some hockey with Gil. 
And that episode, once again, will be dropping tomorrow. You can listen to the entire Locked On NHL episode. But what I'm going to do on the Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel is drop my segment there. So it'll just be some bonus content. There will always be some bonus content on the YouTube channel. And you will miss out on that if you're not subscribed. Uh, The full episodes will always be available everywhere. But there's some good bonus stuff on the YouTube channel as well. And something else that I mentioned here before we call it is that Gerard Gallant ended up finishing third in Coach of the Year voting. We all thought that he might be in the running for Coach of the Year. I think a very strong case can be made that he could have and perhaps even should have won Coach of the Year when you consider the fact that you know he took over a team that wasn't expected to do that much and they make it to the playoffs and he's a first-year head coach. I mean, he's been a head coach before, but first year with the New York Rangers and he ends up coming in third place. Daryl Suter wins the award. He gets 353 points and he's your coach of the year, wins the Jack Adams Award. Andrew Burnett, Florida, he's number two with 249 points. And then Gerard Gallant, number three with 142 points. And my understanding about this is that the people who vote on it, you know, they all get to cast a first, second, and third place vote. Gallant ends up with 12 first place votes, uh, 21 second place votes, and 19 third place votes. So we thought he might be the coach of the year. He'll have to settle for third place. But honestly, I would wager anything that Gerard Gallant could not possibly care less about this right now. I don't think a whole lot of us care about this right now. It's funny because, you know, if the Rangers weren't still going in the playoffs, if they weren't alive here in the Eastern Conference Final, I could and probably even would do an entire episode where we just talk about Gerard Gallant and everything that he's meant to this New York Ranger team and if he could have and should have won, uh, you know, the Coach of the Year award, the Jack Adams award. But as it is, you know, we've all got bigger fish to fry right now. The Rangers are up two games to one on the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion in the Eastern Conference Finals. So we'll talk about, you know, the award season in greater detail in the offseason, but uh, hopefully we're talking about something uh, a heck of a lot more special than that uh, before this Ranger playoff run is all said and done here. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're breaking down everything that happens between the Rangers and Lightning in Game 4. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.